Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by visiting imsaradio.com or search for IMSA radio wherever they get their podcasts. The WeatherTech Sports Car Championship on IMSA Radio. So with cars moving out onto the circuit, before we get some times in, I can see our very own gearbox girl, Shea Adam, right at pit out watching the cars leave. Quite a pleasant evening now. I've just been out configuring uh, Joe and Nick's Porsche Cayenne S. How are you at the end of pit lane? You're on camera. I'm so glad that you weren't configuring them, as it were. That would have taken much, much longer. (laughs) That's true. You would not have made the session. What perfect conditions for night practice tonight. Little bit chilly in the air, which makes its perfect fire suit weather as well. And a full field getting ready to go out because there are mandatory minimum number of night laps that several drivers in the field, about a third of the field, actually need to complete, which means that they need to cross start-finish three times on the racetrack. So we're going to have to keep an eye on that. But a little bit further down the pit lane is one of my favorite cohorts who often loves this environment and this opportunity. Welcome to the pit lane at night, Nick Damon. Uh, only one of? Only uh, one. Well, you geez. and Joe. No, no, no. You've got to choose and choose me. Uh, yes, I am at uh, pit in. Uh, I've taken the meander all the way to the left and the final car in the pit lane is the 023. Uh, the Ferrari 296 machine of Turazzi Competizione. Uh, it is a marvellous... Mar- it is impossible to describe, which is actually my job thinking about, so I really to try and do it. It's very hard to describe uh, the magnificence of the night falling at Road Atlanta on a Thursday evening as the cars sweep round the final turn, lights ablaze as they put down those night laps. It is beyond magical and moving to the ethereal if you are a motorsport fan and i may stay here and just look even though i'm supposed to be talking to people do you know what nick you're right drink it in it is a heady cocktail of sights sounds and smells of course in the best possible way i'm not talking about our pit lane reporters here who been in their race suits all day, uh, but i'm talking about what's going on out there if you're here trackside Get yourself trackside, uh, have something warming with you, uh, particularly if you're not driving tonight, then obviously adult beverages are out of the question if you've got to get behind the wheel. We uh, would never condone that. But if you're parked up and ready, get yourself a good spot and settle in for 90 minutes of the, uh, as I say, one of the most, I think, the most evocative sessions that we have here. We will finish in the dark on Saturday and that'll be very exciting as well but there's just something about this that the time in, in terms of what we're running now Jeremy the, ter- the time that we are running from 7.30 through till 9 o'clock tonight um, well 7.30 is the start of what's called official darkness uh, in, in the race on Saturday uh, we'll run through till a little bit later uh, than that, it'll be a couple of hours which is where I got the two hours from I think we finished at uh, at 9.40 don't we on, on Saturday so this is a very good opportunity for the teams to get out there and you how many drivers did you see 
have got to do like night laps? That was a lot, wasn't it? Yeah, 57, right. I think. Yeah, got, uh, out of the 156 now with uh, 56, 52 cars. Yeah. Two times three is six. Yeah, 156. Um, so you're yeah, talking just so, north of a third of the field. Yeah, there. exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, lots. And, and oddly, having just spoken to Loris Spinelli, who's never driven around here in dark before, he's not one of them. But I suppose that's because he did Daytona earlier in the year uh, and Sebring, I suppose. But uh, I love driving in the dark. But I love um, racing in the dark. This this, yeah, this so would be I. my favourite, favourite yeah, time. But, I mean, th- th- there's a lot of people who are, who are a bit nervous about this, having not driven around here in the dark before, ah. uh, because uh, the, the closing speeds are immense uh, in, in certain locations. And it's a big field. And it's a huge field. Into the pit lane for, I think, and Shane and Nick will be able to tell me in my ears here, I, I think it was the number nine Faf Motorsports car with no lights on other than its marking lights, the blue marker lights, um, even as it was coming down the hill. So either they went onto the pit limit very, very early or they've got a problem. There were no front lights and no rear lights at all on that car when it came down. That's not a good idea. Let's see if it pops out. They're scrubbing tyres on and the lights did just pop on at pit out. I'm reminded and thank you to our wonderful colleagues who once again this year, I said some thank yous earlier on to various people as we always do at the end of the season um, our wonderful colleagues our, our camera operators, our techs here at the circuit and everybody up at Charlotte for NASCAR Productions uh, big changes coming up there and uh, various new bits of technology that they're going to be able to play with going forward there the pictures have been brilliant this year. Thank you very much indeed. And these, again, we get them at the track. If you're trackside, if you're in one of the suites, if you're in the uh, the press room, you can see what I'm seeing on our screen. They don't go outside of the circuit at this time of the week. My goodness me, if this is what we're going to get on Saturday during the race, you are going to be absolutely astounded. The new cameras are so, so sharp. Yeah. It is very, very dark out there and I, I was reminded of that just when I was setting up the the car uh, for for Nick and Joe there and just as I was walking back and looked across over the top of turn one into pitch black and it is absolutely pitch black uh, we'll come back to that later times he account for nothing uh, other than a bit of bragging rights it remains to be seen how many laps everybody does and how uh, long they steer out. Let's ask that question of one of the drivers as Nick Damon is down with Zach Robichon. From the right, right Motorsport 77 uh, Porsche. Zach, what's the programme for you and the team for this night practice? Uh, I mean, ultimately, you know, the race is going to be won at night, so it is quite an important session. Ryan's just out there now. He'll kind of get, find his bearings, figure everything out. I'll go in, and then after that, we're going to do a full stint simulation, ideally, hopefully. Um, to see how it progresses and go from there. Uh, I said 77, I should have said 16, I think it's 61 out. Um, Zach, so give us an idea, so the full stint, is that really to get an idea of tyre degradation as it moves forward, or are you looking at like, the weight coming off? What's the, what's the reason to wanting to push out that entire stint out there? Uh, well, we want to see what the tyre's going to do, because, you know, ultimately we we feel relatively confident with, uh, with the car right now, and so we want to be in a position to see will we be able to fight you know, with the fastest cars, when when the time's most important. Uh, oh, Zach's sort of going, so that's it. 
Uh, as live as it could be, I, I actually blocking his prep put, so Zach's actually nipping off now to get in the car, so we'll have to uh, come back and find out if it's going to involve a new set of tyres, John. Yeah, it sounds like that's what we're talking about, a brand new set of Michelins and a full tank of VP at racing fuel and basically go out there and do you, you run, which for a GT... D car, Jeremy, is going to be an hour, isn't it? That's going to be a full hour for somebody in that. Yeah, I think uh, 42 laps was a, a number that uh, was thrown at me at some stage uh, while I was walking around the paddock a few minutes ago. And so, yeah, it's uh, 42 laps. You know, that's, that's a lot of laps. Uh, it's about what, what you can do now. And the the uh, lap times for the GTD cars are around about, uh, I mean, minute 20 or so. Uh, fastest time we've seen so far is a 1 minute 19.5. They're probably going to be doing maybe 21s, 22s during the race. Um, and, uh, yeah, so plenty, plenty of laps uh, they're going to get under their belt. And, you know, this, uh, as we just heard, I mean, you know, this is a time of, of day. Well, it's not. We're only, how, where, where are we now? We're sort of three hours from the end of the race, two hours from the end of the race. Yeah. Two hours from the end of the race. So this is, you know, is nitty-gritty time come Saturday. So a really important session. Um, quite a few of the teams have been working on longer runs now and trying to work on the consistency, more, work some more on the consistency of the car in these cooler conditions. Let me tell you about tyre allocations before I go back to uh, share. In GTD, uh, the, it's 17 sets of the uh, Michelin control tyre. GTD Pro... 17 sets and that's for the whole event LMP3 17 sets it's slightly different for LMP2 and GTP they get 13 sets of tyres but from qualifying to the end of the race that's 9 sets so basically you can you can burn off 4 in the free practice sessions um, the maximum you can use you might as well burn off your 4 sets because the maximum you can use from the start of qualifying tomorrow through to the end of the race is nine sets. Now, I want to yeah. go back to Shea. We'll talk tyres in a moment, Jeremy, because I think it is going to be a talking point at the weekend. Shea, I, I think <laughs> I've got the binoculars on at the pit lane, and it, although it's dark down there, um, what were you just holding in your hand there? Uh, I am holding currently just picked it back up um it's a number panel off of an lmp3 car the number 30 so they're missing a number from the front or one of the sides it came in on the front of ashton harrison's acura now ashton i know that this wouldn't have affected too much but those were your first night laps here at michelin raceway road atlanta first off how scary is the place when it's dark (laughs) yeah um yeah, it's quite intimidating, you know. I mean, the track's so fast, and even in the daytime, it's a handful in a GT3 car because of all the traffic. So add pitch black to that and the bright lights of the uh, uh, GTP cars, and it, it can be challenging, but thankfully our spotters are doing a great job. And, um, you know, once you get the hang of it, it's not so bad. But I've been coming to Petit Le Mans for over 10 years and watching night practice and thinking how cool that was. So it was, it was pretty awesome to be a part of that. It's so magnificent from the outside. I mean, this is where I first fell in love with racing at night, just watching the cars going into turn one. And then you watch the traffic jam leaving the pit lane. There's so many cars out there. Is the traffic any easier at night when you can't see them? Oh, I know. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, Jim and Dave, our engineers, did a great job. And we leave and they're like, all right, we're going to take off. And uh, 
it gets congested very quick trying to get out of pit lane. So I think just having the right eyes in the sky is what makes the biggest difference in night practice. So thankfully our Racers Edge WTR Andretti team has got that. So Danny's out now and then Kyle and we'll see how it goes from there. Kyle won this race a decade ago. What kind of intel has he been able to give to you and Danny? Go, 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 go. <laughs> but also be smart. You know, it's so important around this track because there's so many opportunities for things to go well, but also for them to go bad. So um, it's just like Sebring and Daytona is survival. And then we, obviously it's a full out sprint for 10 hours, but it's got to be smart. And that, that's our game plan. We need, we deserve, we deserve a good finish at this point. Yes, you do, especially after the heartbreak at Daytona to kick off the series. Uh, do you want me to go give this back to Junior 3 Racing? Because I'd be happy to yeah, deliver yeah. it. So, uh, tell them that we'll, for a small fee, give them their number board back. <laughs> Love it. Thanks, Ash. Thank you. Thank you. Shit, Adam and Nick Dermot down in the pit lane. Yeah, so Ashton, Ashton Harrison, just, she's completed her mandatory night laps. Danny Formal also has to complete his, his mandatory night laps. Carl Marcelli, with all his experience, does not. So uh, once Danny Formal has done his three formality laps. Oh, I see what you did thank there. You, thank you, thank you. Then, yeah. the, then they can concentrate on whatever they, else they want to do uh, during this session. I'm sure Ashton will get back in again yeah. and uh, probably do a longer run, I would imagine. I, I, I like the idea uh, of what Zachary Robichon was telling us, you know, a full stint. Yeah. If you, you know, we've had two free practice sessions, um, so you've probably used a set of tyres in each of those you've got at least one more set to use here you might as well bung a, a fresh set of tyres on yeah and most of them have done a qualifying sim as well during that, that's one of those uh, sessions so, which yeah, might only be two or three laps yeah. so they've probably got a lightly used set, yeah, set as well which will come in handy during the race good point and uh, yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow when we have uh, qualifying um, they we, I, all the classes except for GTP they just have they, they can't come in and touch the cars so they just Correct. the, the, the car the tyres they're running qualifying will be the tyres on which they start the race for GTP however they are allowed to come in and change tyres I'm sure we will see uh, several teams scrubbing in several sets of tyres not just one or two possibly more than that yeah um, we're quite likely more point. than that because yeah. the we, we've seen already today how difficult it is when you leave the pits on cold tyres to build the temperature into the tyres. I mean, the GTP cars have been really, really slow on their outlaps, so I'm sure they will want to scrub in as many sets as they can so they don't have that problem as greatly during a race when it really matters. Uh, let's head back to Nick. We're going to try and get as many interviews as we can in this session uh, whilst people are still uh, on the pit wall and in the pit lane. It's been... It's been a trying season for Jared Andretti and the rest of the Andretti team, particularly with their GT car. They've got the prototype here, and Nick Damon is with the man with his name above the door. Jared, we've just been discussing the, 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 the season for the team. It's been, a, it's been a trying year. Would that be a, f a fair way of putting it? Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair assessment of the year, yeah. Uh, from, from the outside looking in, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a fair assessment. What are your hopes there for to, to turn it round now in, in Petit Le Mans with the P3? Yeah, I mean, it, P3 has been a great class for us. It's been a great class around the world, and, and I, I'm going to miss the car. So um, we're just hoping to, to, to repeat what we did last year here. It was our first WeatherTech win, and hopefully we can have another good run here to kind of end the season. But, um, yeah, a good run would go a long way for the winner. Of course, this is the last time you can run the P3 in IMSA competition. You're back into GTD in WeatherTech uh, competition. Uh, you're back into uh, the Aston again for next year. It, full program. How are you going to get this to work this time? 
Yeah, well, again, they've definitely got uh, they've got some new new parts coming, um, and um, you know it'll be good to get stuck into one car for the whole year and not the dual program, you know, and um, do that for the full year and then just just see where we end up. I think I think that um, you know I, I have more experience in a GT car. Gabby really likes the GT cars, and um, and I think our team's all excited about getting something new. So. Uh, at one stage this year, Gabby hadn't even done a race lap, and that's how, how it's gone wrong sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been pretty trying, you know, to get a, a Laguna and Lime Rock especially, and then Indy wasn't our, our wasn't our greatest race performance wise. Um, but at least we got a we got a full race in, so um, it's um, yeah, we hope for better years. And uh, and the finish on a high. Any anything special about tonight's program, or are you just going to run some laps and get everyone registered in? Yeah, just run, run some laps, get everybody comfortable. Here, just getting your eyes dilated and, and situated is worth probably more than anything you can do with the race car. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That's actually a very good point, dialing the driver in as well as driving the cars in. And Nick's yeah. absolutely right, uh, Jeremy. It's been a torrid season for Jared Andretti and Gabby Chavez with, with the GT team. They were hoping to do a couple of races just to, to get a feel for the GT competition. And they actually entered a few more than they were intending to because they hadn't got any race laps at all. I mean, everything that could possibly go on. And, and not not all of their making. In fact, hardly any of it of their hardly, making. Hardly any of their making. I mean, Jarrett got taken out twice in consecutive races, uh, as uh, Nick Damon was alluding to there. And Gabby didn't even get in the car at that stage in the race. So no laps, no race laps whatsoever for Gabby Chavez. But yeah, he's driven all sorts of different cars in the past so that's not uh, too much of a concern for him other than the fact that yeah, they wanted to get some good long runs and, and consistency under their belts during the season they've got the Aston they are coming back next year we've seen I saw Sportscar 365 were the uh, first to have the pictures from Aston Martin of the Evo kit for the new car uh, the new version of the car and you know Aston having Aston in, in GT uh, next year with everything else that's going on at Aston Martin at the minute, very exciting and I mean we wish them well it's, you kind of think they've had about three years bad luck all in this year haven't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah it's uh, you know, as Jared said they're just looking forward to a good solid you know, let's have a boring race let's have a boring race yeah, let's have a boring race brilliant. and get to the end what's the times looking like Jeremy yeah well the, the fastest time we've seen uh, so far was in that uh, what uh, qualifying mock qualifying at the final 15 minutes of the second free practice a little bit earlier this afternoon that was when all the fastest times were set everybody doing qualifying simulations and 109.671 was the quickest during that session Otherwise, you know, 11s is really what, we, what we're seeing. I think what we're likely to see during the race on, on uh, Saturday. And 11-7 uh, is signed this evening by Matthew Jaminet in the uh, number, uh, number six uh, Porsche Penske Motorsports 963. Uh, 111-9 for Louis Delatraz, number 10, Conor Minolta, Wayne Taylor Racing with... Uh, with Andretti Autosport, Andretti Global is it now, um, Acura, and then the second of the factory Porsches, number seven car, also at 11.9, and Sebastian Bourdais in the Cadillac, who was fastest this afternoon, also at a 111.9, so uh, picking up where we left off from earlier on, very, very close at the front of the field. 
uh, back down in the pits with uh, Spencer Pampelli in the 44 car. Uh, Spencer, just spoke to you about oh, five, six hours ago. I don't know which car. Yeah, 44 Magnus racing car. There we are, 44. Um, so we speak to you earlier in the uh, pits about the, uh, doing the Michelin pilot challenge. Is there an advantage you doing both races to kind of put you off your stride changing cars the whole time? It's, it's something I've done most of my career. You know, I love racing over in the WeatherTech series, but Michelin Pilot Challenge is, is almost uh, probably the most fun we have because we are racing is so close. We can run nose to tail side by side throughout the track and uh, not get in the arrow wash that some of the faster cars get. Uh, so I really uh, I like doing both. And if sometimes you get a little extra track time, might see something over there that translates over here. And uh, I tell the only downside is it's quite the walk. <laughs> we're at the far end of that paddock, and we're pretty far down the other paddock, and the bridge is on the whole other side. So um, as many laps as I've gotten you know, around the track, I've also gotten a couple going back and forth. But other than that, I love it. And the Aston GT3, I mean, it, it, uh, it, it's, it's growing a more and more popular car within the uh, WeatherTech series. I mean, do you think it suits the track well? I, I think so. You know, the Aston, every GT3 car has got its own challenges. I think our car has a little issue with forward bite. We've always fought that. And some of the fast corners here, I mean, I think is unbelievably good. It's a ton of fun. You know, it makes some of these corners that I've been racing on for years uh, into straightaways. You know, they're just kind of gone in that thing. But uh, coming off the slow turns, we don't really have a lot of weight in the back, and we can light them up like a stock car. And, uh, you know, Lally and I have been running stock cars a little bit this year, but um, still quite haven't got a handle on how to get this thing off the turns just yet. As soon as we do that, I think we're going to be pretty good. Magnus Racing, though, in a long race is always uh, a team that brings you know, all the preparation, the strategy, and we always do really well in these races. So I'm looking forward to race day, no matter what kind of car we got. And race day, yeah, we, we're seeing a bit of it now. But, uh, the, the, the density of the traffic, which seems even greater once it gets dark, is going to be the major challenge, isn't it? You know, traffic around here is always tough because there's a lot of sections where you just simply can't pass. And um, sometimes the people get excited and they try to do it anyway. And you never really, you know, around here, it's tough. But then add on a bumper field with a ton of cars. And some of these cars coming out of the pits are take a really long time to get up to speed. So sometimes the fast cars are going really slow. I mean, it's just a, it's a disaster out there, but a fun one, you know. It's fun to be out there mixing it up, but definitely a challenge. Toughest thing for us is trying to figure out who's in our mirror, you know. Everything looks the same when they're behind. And, you know, it, sometimes it's a prototype that's coming quick. Sometimes it's a GT car that's not. And you hate to not move over the prototype, and you hate to move over for the GT car. Oh, just make it work. So, so obviously you said you've done a bit of uh, NASCAR. So how many spotters do you have here, or is it just the team watching the screens? we got Sean Heckman, one of the best in the business. He watches the screens, tells us what's behind us. Uh, it's great in the daytime, but it is really helpful at nighttime. Uh, but we don't have any spotters. You know, the stock car race I did this year, I think we had four or five of them around Chicago. It was awesome. Here, uh, you got Sean, and uh, he does a good job, too. Wow, well, that's a little bit surprising. Some of the teams here have uh, have two spotters uh, out on the racetrack, uh, generally uh, up uh, above the kind of from where we are, uh, opposite the pits, uh, beyond the bridge. So looking over the chicane, and many more have spotters either at turn five and or even at turn three as well. So uh, it's interesting that they've only got Sean there, who's uh, not even out on the racetrack. But uh, he'll be busy. If you, you must have, if you've got lots of cameras to look at, that's cool. But uh, it's spotters are really, really critical. I think in this race these days, they've become very much a, uh, a necessity. And uh, I know there's you know, quite a few teams that bring in extra extra spotters for these longer races. With with the 
uh, with the resources that Inza have now, um, you can watch anywhere in the world. You can watch, even here in the States, uh, you can watch uh, a variety of onboard shots. You can listen to us. Uh, if you're here at the track, of course, there's other uh, versions of the feed that you can watch for all the IMSA WeatherTech uh, championship sessions. Um, so I can kind of understand somebody spotting um, trackside without having maybe a great view. You can also use the tracker as well, at least to tell people who's coming and, and where they're coming. But um, to not have any at all, I'm, I'm very surprised. Yeah. I would be very surprised. Uh, to hear that because with the um, with the the speed differential um, and also knowing who's in the car that's the other thing somebody yeah. can read a timing screen and you know somebody could say right I'm coming up on such and such a car and you might say um, well, one of the I don't know you, you might say who who's in the number 12 at the moment and you say well it's Aaron Taylor ah oh, right okay he knows his way around Who's in the number such and such? It's it's so and so, and and therefore you might want to give them a little bit more room, Jeremy. And that and that that's the case. Who am I being caught by? Oh, yeah. you're being pop, caught by one of the Penske Porsches, yeah. the Porsche Penske Motorsport cars, and yeah. they're leading the race. Yeah. So they're not going to give you a whole host of room, you know. Yeah, but uh, yeah, as, as Spencer Fellow was just telling us, there, Spencer uh, Plumpy. Um, he, uh, you know, the, the tricky bit is knowing who is behind you, and uh, that's why. Uh, people like, uh, in, in their case, Sean Heckman is so important, but uh, he'll be busy if he's doing it on his own. Uh, a couple of quick, really quick times here, particularly in LMP2. Mikkel Jensen has just had a 1 minute 13.073, which is only 1.3 seconds off the fastest time of all, the GTP cars. And, and the quickest time in the earlier practice session in an LMP2 was a 1.39. So almost a full second quicker than that for the number 11 car. Uh, the TDS racing Orica of Mikkel Jensen. That's a stunning lap. It's a full, um, but it was more than a second clear of everybody else. Now it's about three quarters of a second clear because uh, Kevin Simpson just improved in the Taumas, what kind of eight? He's just turned the 113.7 to be second quickest in LMP2. Uh, Nick Damon, let's head back down. We're trying to get uh, somebody from all of the teams up and down the pit lane in this 90-minute session. Uh, where have you got? Oh, you, I can see you. You're at uh, Performance Tech. The number 38 LMP3 car, and it's Jonathan Woolridge. Jonathan, uh, give us a story of Performance Tech so far this weekend. Uh, it's been going pretty good. Um, obviously, coming from the VP Challenge, it's a big jump for this weekend. That was kind of my first time out in the night track at all. So a lot to take in, a lot to learn. Um, the guys have been doing really good with the car. We've been working on it a lot so we're trying to find the pace um, it is coming slowly so i think we'll be right where we need to be for the race weekend um, obviously once you're in the race it's kind of just a survival thing for you know eight hours of it and then you get to that final two hours so it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out i think it's going to be a tricky one there's a lot of cars here this weekend you know i think it was uh last i checked it was 54 cars so it's so busy out there trying to keep the car clear and uh it's a lot harder especially at night when you just see headlights everywhere you're not sure what kind of class car it is behind you Obviously, the spotters can help you a little bit, but they, they can only do so much out there, too. So driving at night is definitely crazy. You know, Petit Le Mans has just got so much history here. So I think we're in a good good shape for the weekend. And uh, I'm just looking forward to the race and just getting in, doing stint. You know, baptism, of, baptism of fire uh, this morning. You had an incident with the, the Porsche earlier. What happened there? Yeah, definitely coming here the first time. You know, you come up and over corner three. It's completely blind. You can't see anything. 
Um, the GTP, unfortunately, was coming out the pit lane at the same time and just just didn't have enough time to react to it. You know, I tried to get it over to the right side to avoid him, but it literally just clipped his car. But at those kind of speeds, it can just break everything off the carbon. So luckily, there was no suspension damage. It was just all cosmetic. So we were able to repair and get it back out here. So we've been pretty good so far in our, our second practice. So all good there. <laughs> You mentioned these, your, your first night laps, the first night laps anywhere. That's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, definitely it's a lot to take in. Um, it wasn't as dark as I was anticipating. Uh, luckily, we have some pretty cool pink lights on that performance sec number 38 car, so that definitely helps. You know, easy to spot out there as well. Joe, the best luck for yourself and for the team for the rest of the weekend. Thanks for talking to us. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we're down to an 11.7 at the top of the field for wheel and engineering. The red and uh, dark grey number 31 Cadillac Mathieu Jaminet now in Porsche Penske Motorsports 963 number 6 that's the one with the well, if you can see it with the white stripes on it and that at the moment is just coming uh, through the S's downhill as off goes the number 93 Acura yeah now that's See That's something route. I haven't said very often. Kyle Marcelli's gone off for the Racers Head Motorsport with WTR car. He's gently brought himself back onto the track. No, actually, he's it's gone off at turn one and then gone through the motorcycle chicane. Just recognised that extra bit of tarmac. Now he's back onto the track through the S's, very carefully rejoining there so that he didn't get in anybody's way. That was, all right, a mistake there, Jeremy, but it didn't turn into a disaster. Yeah, and uh, if you've made one mistake, like if you're a pilot, the first one of the first things you're, to- you're told in pilot training, if you make one mistake, don't make another. Don't compound the problem. Yeah. And uh, good, good job there by Carl Marcelli. Uh, having been off the road not too uh, it's very easy though we've seen already a couple of incidents at that point we saw a big crash from Antonio Fuoco the youngster in the Ferrari earlier on have got, got a replay of this that's impressive yeah he just runs just wide straight oh great yeah. pick up by the tape apes. but a great job there open his hands a little bit let that car run through the grass it's not as wet as it was earlier on indeed and uh, just an excellent effort there by Carl Marseille really cool and calm uh, to keep that car on the green stuff rather than against the tyre barrier. Down here in the pit lane, things are getting very busy, especially in the back end, and I just want to step in really quickly and interrupt. Good evening, Chip Ganassi. How's your day going? Very good, thank you. You guys had a very quick car in the mock quali run at the end of that second practice session. Was that unexpected? Well, I don't know. I mean, um, you know, we're, we're out there, and it, it, that's what it is. It's mock qualifying, so you want to... You want to, you know, you, you want to run as fast as you can, I guess. And so we, you know, we, I think we have a little bit in our pocket yet, but we'll see. Good. I mean, Sebastian has been so good in qualifying this year, but still looking for that first pole. And you guys are looking for your first win since May. How do you get it done this weekend? Well, you know, you have to go the distance, first of all. And you got to stay around the lead lap. And, you know, you got to get your car working for three different drivers. And, you know, we can have a fast car, but, you know, it's another thing to have a fast car for all three drivers. So, um, you know, that's we're constantly working, you know, we, you know, we're running on, you know, full loads of fuel and what have you. We're not really trying anything yet. Here to, so um, we'll see. But, it, you know, you're, you're constantly working on your car. You're constantly refining, refining, refining. But how much of an advantage is it for you guys that you have three drivers who have won this race before? They know how to do it. 
Yes, I mean, no question, they know how to do it. We just need to give them the right car to do it with. I believe in you. Good luck this weekend. Thank you very much. Up at the 88, that's the JDC Miller Motorsport, but it's their P3 car, not their GTP car. And uh, Till Beckstrom-Schleimer, Till, how's, we, how's it been going so far uh, in this first day of intensive practice at the Petit Le Mans? Yeah, lots of traffic out there. Um, but yeah, no, it's fun. Uh, first time in the car for me since Watkins Glen. So uh, yeah, just getting back into the groove, really. I mean, is it, is it, yeah, obviously you regularly drive, you regularly drive this car, but what does getting back in the groove entail? Is it like you sit in one lap, you feel, uh, or does it take like five laps of your head to go, oh, this is how fast I'm going, this is where I break? Yeah, it, it, I mean, for me, for sure, it takes a few laps just to, you know, recalibrate. It's, um, you know, it's an onslaught to the senses, so you kind of got to just get used to it. And also, there's just so much traffic. There's, there's so many cars on quite a, quite a short circuit that you just, um, yeah, you just have to... Yeah, get, get, back, get back used to it and takes a few laps and then you're back in the groove. You've been asking a couple of teams, because also we just see how busy the track is during the day and then even super, well, it seems much busier at night, of course, by the light. Do you have a spotter? Do you have spotters that you just done from the, the TV screens here? Uh, we don't have any spotters tonight. Um, actually, good point. I've got to, got to see if we're going to have one for the race. Hopefully we will, um, but we don't tonight. So obviously you are a, a reigning winner. You won last year, but in, in GTD, and now you're in, in P3. How different are the two cars, and how different is the way you make a lap time? They're actually really pretty different, especially under braking. You know, obviously with the GTDs, you've got ABS, and you can really use that to um, really be pretty precise on how much brake pressure you want at what point in the corner. And, um, you know, it's taken me a bit of getting used to the, this kind of higher downforce. Uh, yeah, very different platform, really. I mean, the P3s, they sit, they've always got those big old Nissan lumps out the back. Do they feel tail heavy or do they kind of balance it out with the aero? No, I think the aero is pretty decent on them. So uh, they're, they're pretty well balanced cars. They're, they're nice cars to drive, but just very different to the GTD car. So you had a quick break from Watkins Den to here. You're in a P3 car. Obviously, P3 can't do uh, uh, WeatherTech next year. What's the plans next year then? Oh. Yeah, it's a good question. I'm uh, trying to figure out do I go back to gtd or, or try my hand at lmp2 um so yeah we'll, we'll see um i definitely miss the gtd paddock but there's something uh something exciting and exciting and enticing about p2 as well we're all voting downforce for you till thanks very much cheers <laughs> till back till Scheimer, who has a, a superb record of, of, of racing uh, classic and vintage cars and a decent connect collection of them as well and of course it's the the man behind the uh, rebirth of Lola. Uh, we were talking about Aston Martin, actually. Not much about that lately. Yeah, ticking along, I, I think, is, is the fair, is the, is the uh, description. Uh, they got a couple of projects in the pipeline. Uh, we were talking about Aston Martin Valkyrie uh, earlier on. The EMR version of that car was uh, tuned in the Lola wind tunnel. Uh, Multimatic, one of the customers of the Lola Technology Centre in Huntingdon. So still plenty going on there. Necessarily something to shout about yet. But various projects being pursued. Just look at some of the times here, uh, particularly for me in GTD. Uh, the, we've got the two pro cars fastest at the moment. Number 79 Mercedes of uh, Daniel Ducadela. Uh, it's actually Jules Gugno who set that time at a one, two, one minute 20.192. Second fastest also in GTD Pro is Jack Hawksworth in the 
the uh, number 14 Vassar Sullivan Lexus at 120.2. Third fastest and fastest of the non-pro teams is Trent Hinman in that Volt Racing Wright Motorsports number 77, the bright yellow Porsche. Uh, that's a tremendous improvement by, by that team. That car was languishing well, mid-pack at best during the earlier two sessions. So big improvements there. And of course, pretty big news this week and not, not good news necessarily for Trent Hinman, but... Uh, Alan Brynjolfsson, who is the who is Volt Lighting, uh, has announced this week that, that he'll be taking a, a step away from the sport next year, having having uh, had a, an intense seven years of racing with Trent Hinman, had a lot of success, won the Michelin Pilot Challenge Series together. They've had success here in uh, GTD as well. They've had a podium finish this year, but uh, they'll be stepping away next year. So Trent Hinman is uh, looking around for a ride for next year effectively and uh, tell you what there's a very very talented young guy who is uh, you know, just great in and out of the car real uh, a real asset to anybody he will be moving forward I'm sure he will I'm pretty confident he will find a ride fairly soon but I don't think anything is announced or confirmed even just yet uh, another very good young driver is uh, Indy Donji, uh, hanging around the back of the Winwood Racing uh, 57 GTT Mercedes AMG GT3 pit uh, <laughs> Indy, yeah, it's very long. Indy, obviously, um, are you going to get to do many laps today? Or are you letting the other members of the team get used to the dark? Yeah, well, it's my first time here at Petit Le Mans. So. Really? Yes. <laughs> so uh, I had to get used to the night uh, night driving here. Um, I already think that the track is pretty demanding in the in the in the night uh, or in the daylight, uh, and also now in the nightlife, uh, it's really nice up here. So you've raced, I, th- I bet so you've raced everywhere, but you haven't raced here. I mean, how is it, this is a, it's a, an amazing circuit, isn't it? it it's, in, when you look at the plan of the track, it looks very dull, but the undulations make, and the, and the rise and fall make it everything, don't they? Yes, it's like a roller coaster. Uh, if it, it looks really simple, like uh, all chill, but it's only corner, 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 and you have a long straight to relax, but it's really, it's a demanding track. And um, I did a lot of uh, 24 hours, of course, but this one uh, is, again, uh, something special. It's cool. And, of course, you've got this massive track uh, car density. You know, there's something happening every two seconds. Yeah, you see uh, the AMG GT3 is pretty low, so you see a lot of sparks now. Um, so taking a lot of curves as well, touching a little bit on the side everywhere. Yeah, it's pretty rough on the car, and you see a lot of sparks, which is nice for the fans out there to have a little bit of firework. Great stuff. Thank you, indeed. Uh, now, Jordan Pepper, we show Jordan, I would imagine you've been thinking about this race for a year because you loved it here. You were the fastest guy in GTD last year. Is it the nighttime that makes it even more special? Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about it for a year because I lost last year due to an unfortunate circumstance. So it's been a year, like, marked on my calendar ever since I came here last year. Probably after the first two laps, I was like, oh, man, this place is insane. And what's crazy, I think it's just... uh, the fact that the track doesn't let up, like it's always in your face, like there's corner after corner that just such a, it's like if you get it right, it's such like a perfect like rhythm and stuff and it's it's very difficult as well to get it right, like it's not the, the easiest place in the world and then on top of it, how many cars we got here, it's it's insane amount of multi-class racing and around here it's managing it all, so yeah, I mean the trick of this race though, as we know, it's about being quick at the night, so this practice obviously is the most important. What happens in the daytime is more about surviving because we know how IMSA racing is, especially when there's championships for the line at the end of the year. Everyone's 
gonna be going all in and yeah i think uh, it's always going to lead to a late caution and then from there a flat out sprint race to the finish how enjoyable is this track in the lamborghini since you got to do it last year with a different mark yeah it's it's actually quite a lot different you'll be surprised honestly i was quite shocked like the first few laps all the references and everything and the, the strengths of the cars are so different obviously the mclaren and the lamborghini share common fact that they're both mid-engine apart from that they're very different so um yeah it's it's quite different although i mean if i could put the strengths of both together we'd be untouchable in gtd but that uh, gtd pro but that's obviously what makes this championship and this this category so special there's so many different style cars they all got strengths in their own areas and i mean not to to put a dampen on last year but uh driving our lamborghini hurricane gd3 evo 2 here is uh pretty awesome you know like with uh, the high screaming v10 engine through down the the mid sector is quite cool and obviously it's a little bit more agile so the change of direction is quite odd but it, it makes it a bit more difficult but also at the same time i mean we the team here have given us such an incredible call yeah unfortunately we haven't got the results to back it up um, but we've been competitive so hopefully this weekend we can bring it home all right, are we finally going to see you for a full season in this championship next year? It's been such a long time coming. Uh, I mean, I'm not the one to ask. I, I would love it, obviously. I think you quite know that American racing kind of was like a rebirth to me in, in my love and passion for the sport. And every time I come here, I always have a, a good mood, happy like vibe. And I think that's what allows myself to bring the best out of like me. Like, I think... Uh, that's what IMSA does. That's what North American racetracks do. I mean, I can't complain. You know, these cars are so beautiful to drive. They're so awesome. These tracks are awesome. So it'll be a dream come true to do a full season. But, yeah, let's see. I mean, crossing fingers. If not next year, I'm pretty sure one time before I retire, I'll do a full season for sure. I can promise you that. I'll, I'll talk to whoever we need. Thanks. Good luck this weekend, Jordan. Thank you very much. Get back to Nick Dermott down in the pit lane in just a moment or two. Um, you know when I say it's never a good day when different parts of the car is, uh, are doing different lap times? Uh, Neil Janney uh, is struggling back to the pits at the moment in the number 59. This is the Proton Porsche 963. And um, it's only got three of its wheels and tyres uh, because one is in the beach at turn 10-11. Uh, the left front has parted company. Now, what's interesting about that is I don't think that was an outlap, Jeremy. I think he'd been out there for a little while. I'm not sure. His last lap was shown as a 1 minute 19, which is a uh, a strange lap time for That's somebody. Just, maybe, that, maybe last lap was an outlap. Yeah. I, I would. It's got the, the wheels parted company coming yeah. down the hill into yeah. the braking area for the chicane uh, at the bottom of the hill there at turn 10. Uh, and... Shea Adam is... Uh, he, he had to go across the gravel beach. And Shea, that car has made it back to you. It has. Um, it is perfect from the right-hand side. And jumping over the wall and walking over and seeing the uh, brake rotor was actually dragging on the ground. That's going to be a bit discerning for the crew. They've gotten flashlights off to look at the wear on the actual brake rotor. But, yeah, the hub is stripped. So that wheel parting company, that was not fresh out of the pit lane. That was just one of those things. Uh. 
didn't cause a red flag, which is interesting. But what, what did cause a red flag this morning was the uh, the 47 Chetelar Racing Ferrari 296 and, and you know, t- t- Antonio Fueco at the wheel. Uh, went in the backwards, did a huge amount of damage. Um, they are embarking on what is effectively quite a long repair. The good thing about the Ferrari 296, it's a very modular prototype car. Uh, and there are kind of subframes and support structures. They've taken the huge engine subframe out. Interestingly, where we left you at the last practice, they had in the corner without a gearbox. Uh, they've now got an engine and a gearbox in the subframe, but the subframe itself has yet to be offered up to the main body of the chassis. So my guess is they're still waiting on a couple of extra parts, and then they'll uh, complete the, uh, the reassembly. Now, the question obviously is, does this mean that they've got drivers who've not qualified for night practice? Uh, for night driving, I can't answer. We'll have to ask them tomorrow on that front. But my guess is, given the fact they haven't got to get on the track until what three o'clock tomorrow for qualifying, they should be able to run at that point. And no, uh, they're fine. They're fine. They don't have to uh, do the mandatory laps today, so they are qualified because of all their experience in the night time in the past in this championship. They are good to go, so they do not. They're not even Roberto Lacorta, who's a who's a pro. Oh, sorry. Yes, you're right. He is. He he does have to do it. Giorgio Sernagiato, he's a silver, and certainly Antonio Forco is a a platinum, so uh, he, whatever his situation, but we've we've seen those guys driving um, in the past. I'm not sure about Roberto. No, Roberto, he he was supposed to have done so, so so, he would not be able to drive at night. So so, so so here's the interesting thing, of course, and what Jeremy's saying there is, doesn't mean he can't drive the car. It means he can't drive the car after 7.30 in the evening, which is official darkness, Jeremy. Am I yeah. getting that right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Pretty yeah. sure that's the case, and, yeah. which is fine, because he wouldn't have been driving after 7 o'clock at night. Uh, in any case, his, his uh, minimum drive time would have been well, well before that. Let's take a little update from Shay on a penalty before Nick can give us another uh, interview. Well, Neil Johnny was uh, the driver who brought the 59 back down, but unfortunately he did not follow pit lane protocol as it is supposed to be done. He stayed in the fast lane all the way until he got to his box. When you come into the pit lane with an injured car, you are supposed to move immediately to the transition lane. He did not do that, so that will be a penalty, a further penalty on that number 59, which is already facing some bad luck right now since they're going to need a new hub. So I'm wondering if that penalty will then translate over to qualifying. Up at the other end of the pit lane, uh, the number 30. It's the, another one of the P3 cars, the JR Motorsport and BJ Gog. Uh, BJ, you've already had one race today. How did that go? It went pretty well. I uh, won it, um, you know, but it wasn't an easy one. Uh, had to work for it the whole way. Had to defend quite a bit. And, yeah, it was very hard, but glad we could come out with the win. So... So let's now talk about the Junior 3 racing car you're in the, the moment, the, the 30 machine. How, how, how is the big race preparation going? Big race preparation is going pretty well. Um, you know, so far, car feels very good in that. And, you know, we have the speed. I think uh, we can, I think we can definitely win it. Of course, in the VP Challenge, it's just you driving the car. Here you've got to share the car with two other drivers. How does that affect the way it's set up? Uh, it definitely affects the way it's set up quite a bit. I mean, it's just about uh, it's about driver preference, right? So, just in the VP race, I got I have all the freedom in the world to do what I want with the car. But with this, I have to share the car with three drivers. It's not necessarily about you know what I want, but what the other two want, and what is quickest for all three of us. And have you reached that compromise? I think. 
I think we've reached a reasonable compromise. Obviously, you know, the two cars feel different, but I mean, it's not not that far off, and I think we can work with the balance on both. PJ, thank you. Good luck. Yeah. Uh, three drivers. You're looking for three drivers who have something similar in their driving styles and their requirements, but a car for a 45-minute sprint race and a car for a 10-hour enduro look you might not if if you're not all pro drivers you'll not be wanting a car that is absolutely on a knife edge all the time which you might take jeremy for a a sprint race where you've only got a manhandle it around for one stint effectively and you doing it yourself you're having to hand it off to somebody else who's got to do i mean in the case actually i was just looking at that earlier in the case of the the drive times um, for the Truman Aitken drive time, it's two hours and thirty minutes. For LMP2, LMP3, and GTD, it's two hours and thirty minutes. For the GTP and GTD Pro, that's the easy one. That's forty-five minutes. And everybody six hours maximum, and the standard no more than four hours in any six, which has caught people out before here. Caught out Reese last year. Yeah, didn't it? exactly right. Um, and that's always the one that we talk about at Le Mans. It's been around for such a long time, that one. And it, it, uh, it as you say, Jeremy, caught out no lesser team than Ricci last year. So getting that car balance set up nicely so that you can drive it for your two hours and 30 minutes. You might not do all of that in one go for the Truman Aitken award winners, but you, you, you don't want somebody to be struggling and losing time. You want them to feel confident. Yeah, that's the key here, and uh, most you know most people are pretty confident out there. And just about everybody has done uh, well, the minimum number of laps. I can see there is twenty-two. That would be by Canberra uh, kind of seventy-four again. That's a Riley Motorsports LMP3 car. Once again, we heard from them earlier on. They're just taking taking things pretty cool and calm this week. They've got really all they've got to do is start the race to win the LMP3 season-long championship. And then, of course, they're going to try and win the Michelin Endurance Cup for LMP3 as well. They're in contention for that. Just looking at some of the lap times, though, about, what, 10 minutes ago now, uh, Jack Aitken uh, went to the uh, top of the overall charts in the GTP uh, Cadillac number 31. Alexander <laughs> Sims, who I spoke speaking to just before the start of the session, he's never driven around here in a, a prototype car at night before yeah. today. So he was uh, looking forward to that, he, and he was quickest for a while. Then Jack Aitken went a little bit quicker, did an 11, 1 minute 11.612 to take over the top spot. And then about five minutes ago, uh, Colin Brown... No, he's just went doing to that last lap well, around again. No, yeah. Oh, sorry, yes. Yeah. Sorry, he went to I the see top. your progression. Yeah, yes. He went to the top, and now he's gone faster again. again yeah. So on that last lap, 111.440 there for Colin Brown in that Shank Acura car number 60. In uh, LMP3, also some, some quick, good... Uh, quick lap times recently there uh, Matt, Matt Bell went fastest in number 13 AWA Duquesne at a 1 minute 17.2 uh, and now Garrett Grist has just gone up into second position in that LMP3 class in that uh, junior three racing car EB shared a car with Joy Garg whom we heard just a few moments ago What's, uh, What have you heard about Colin Brown for next year Clearly, with the Acura program that he's part of, with a number sixty car coming to an end, mm. any 
any word? Have you heard anything? I haven't, but honestly, I have, I'm not. I'm not really a news hound, so I haven't really been digging on that. I haven't been digging on that at all. Hopefully, he'll find we'll something because we'll ask him. I, I have be. a suspicion. Nothing has been announced. I said I chose my word very carefully yeah. earlier on. I said nothing has been uh, announced. Uh, no. we'll you, you'll find it. something for sure. Oh, uh, I just hope it's in GTP. Yes, if me it too. isn't, you know, getting something in LMP2 won't be a problem no. for Colin I, I'm sure. Let's uh, head down to uh, Nick Damon, joined now by Joe Bradley in the pit lane. As Adam is stepping away. Uh, Nick is with, I think, one of the only drivers I've ever interviewed who has two nationalities on his race suit, being Italian and Argentinian, and that is Nico Varon. Out of the 17 AWA car, Nico. Um, You've had a great season so far, and this will probably cap it off. How are you finding uh, Petit Le Mans so far? Well, actually, it's incredible. My first day here at Petit, uh, Road Atlanta. So, yeah, really cool track. Uh, enjoying a lot. Uh, the, dri- the night driving time is really difficult to see and to guess by the mirrors if it's a GTP, GT, or LMP2 car. So I think it's going to be pretty interesting in the race. So your, fir- your first time here, I mean, how does this track compare with the other tracks you've been to around the world? Was I mean, like every American track, it's amazing. Like you know, the differences of an elevation, old school track. I mean, uh, you cannot make any mistake. So yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool that there are tracks like this uh, still today. So yeah, enjoying a lot. A little bit, a, a little bit bumpy. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of a Watkins lens. It's a Watkins lens mixed with Sebring, maybe a little bit. So yeah, it's pretty cool. There you go. Good luck. Thank you. And uh, now down to my very good friend, Joe Bradley, who's joined me. He's, he is joined himself by Ross Gunn out of the 23 Hard of Racing Aston Martin. Ross, we, we know this track is absolutely crammed this weekend, but the darkness must exacerbate that. Yeah, it, particularly in these, uh, at this time of the day, it's very tricky to manage because obviously being in a GT class, you're looking in your mirrors constantly and um, with the prototype traffic catching you you know you have four or five prototypes per lap that are trying to get past you so looking in your mirrors and trying to work out based on the the shape of the the lights which one it is is very tricky the shape of the lights honestly the shape of the lights do you have a camera to help with that or is it mirrors we have a camera and then we have three mirrors so we have an internal mirror and then we have obviously two left and right um and yeah it's just it's it's incredibly tricky you know you have uh, cars flashing you a lot as well so that that also can really can put drivers off and also can make some I, I've seen some GT drivers defend for their life to kind of get the guy back that's been flashing them so it's um, it's very interesting and you know, it's, it's good fun, it's all part of the fun and I, I'm happy that we're doing a, a, a big night session to really get to grips with it because it's going to get very fraught towards the end of the race yeah, it's quite a chunk of this race in the dark. I mean, do you, do you guys, this team, run spotters out on track or anything? So we have a, our engineer is acting as our spotter, um, which works really well for us. It's worked well all year like that. So uh, You mean like looking at the timing screen? Yeah, someone is, yeah. so looking at the timing screen, not, not like uh, Daytona where they kind of tell you what side the, the traffic is going, but he's just looking at the timing monitor and seeing where... The GT, uh, GTP cars, LMP2 cars, and, and LMP3 cars are in relation to us, and he reads that out one every lap 
uh, at the end of uh, the back straight. So I've got a bit of time to really think about how to attack the next lap. You know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end it there, Mick, because after all of that, you surely need to lie down in a dark room. I mean, just to put people right, all of that you've just described, fabulous inside, Ross. You've actually got to get your breaking points right, hit your apices, and, and then, you know, drive really, really fast. Yeah, I mean, you've got so many things to juggle. Um, you've also got to think about what the car balance is doing as well. Uh, practice fuel saving. There's so many, so many things, but that's what makes our sport so beautiful you know like everything is there's so much going on that you have to do you have to deal with and it's um it's it's amazing when it all comes together and it and it works you know but we've had a lot of practice doing this and um there's no excuses not to do a good job fabulous inside from Roscoe. let's head up to uh, nick who's got matt bell and uh, nick john and i can't help with the translation yeah, uh, uh, Matt Bell out of the 13, uh, the AWA uh, P3. Uh, unfortunately, there's two fellow North Northeasters wittering on there whilst we were trying to have a chat. But uh, when I last checked, you were the fastest so far in night practice. Obviously, getting a hang of this P3 car. Uh, yeah, just about. It's, it's been eight years, so I've just about got myself there. Now they're taking it away from me, so i have to start all over again next year. But um, uh, we've just been pipped to P2, but uh, the car feels pretty good, to be honest. You know, it's... It's pretty difficult for everybody out there to get a clear lap, and uh, yeah, we haven't had the clearest run yet, so uh, feeling confident with our car. Uh, as usual, LMP3 is looking insanely competitive, as does every class at IMSA, so uh, yeah, we're, we're feeling good, we're feeling happy in our car, we'll see what we can do on uh, Saturday. Just a chat with Nico Veroni from the uh, sister car. How much are you, are you working as, as two, a two-car team, and how much are you just uh, on your own as such? No, we're a very close team. We work uh, uh, very much in conjunction with each other, you know, when we're a little bit off the pace, both cars will try something different. When we feel that we're on the pace, we'll sort of unite and, and try and make sure the feedback is matching. So, uh, no, this is a, a very close-knit team. Uh, you know, we work very much uh, two cars as one until the green flag drops, and then it's uh, best of luck to each other. We'll uh, see you out there. As we discussed, this is the last race of P3 in the WeatherTech. So uh, what's Matt Bell going to do uh, next year? Uh well, the, the team are, have got a Corvette, a couple of Corvette GTD cars coming, and uh, yeah, I'm very much hoping to be part of that. So uh, yeah, some official announcements are coming on that uh, uh, soon, I think. But um, yeah, I'm I'm, uh, I'm always very hopeful to be back at this championship. I think IMSA, in my experience, I've been lucky enough to uh, experience pretty much all of the major sports car championships in the world, and for me, IMSA is the best, most competitive, the hardest. Uh, and yeah, I want to be back here as much as possible. And that'll be GTD, not not the pro class, just the ordinary class. Uh, yes, it would be. Yeah. If that's ordinary, of course. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's ordinary on this grid. It's brilliant. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. We'll head to Joe Bradley in a moment. We're going to set up some memories from 1998 with uh, a few people who are on the pit wall. Moment to go out at the far side of the circuit at six and seven. A spin in the darkness. Now, I thought there was contact to start with, Jeremy, but I'm now not so certain. And did you catch which car it was that spun and continued? Oh, no, but... Uh, oh, there it is. Yeah, 85. 85. Okay, so Tilbert that was Till, who's just got in that JDC uh, Bill of Motorsports to Kane, shouting with Dan Goldberg and Rasmus Lind, who's the under-30 silver driver there. Till, I think, is pointing back in the right direction. As I say, it was in close concert with yeah. another car, but I don't think there was a touch there. Didn't look like it. There was a GT car, I think, behind him, and um, but uh, he seemed to just kind of 
losing on the exit of or mid mid to exit of turn six, but didn't, didn't hit anything. Able to get going again in at number eighty five JDC Miller, Miller Motorsports entry. Yeah, coming down to us yeah, now. Coming the pits through the final corner, crosses the line in front of us, and that distinctive decay heads down towards turn one. That 26th running of Motul Petit-Lemont with half an hour to go in our night practice session. Let's turn the clock back to 1998. Joe Bradley has headed down to Wayne Taylor, WTR with Andretti Global for some reflections on that. It was a 29-car event that started off a whole new era of sports car racing. Joseph? When it was all the way back in 1998, the very first Petit Le Mans, I have a distinct memory of seeing your triple three SP Ferrari come down the hill, fireworks going off. Did you think at that point that we'd still be here 25 years later doing it, still doing it? No, the most amazing part is that I'm still doing it. I can't believe it. Me too. I can't believe it. But um, yeah, it was pretty amazing. Um, I remember that day, Don Panos drove into the pit lane and he looked at the, the Ferrari and he said to me, Wayne, the engine's in the wrong place. I said, where should it be? He goes, it should be in the front. And, um, you know, the race was, um, well, the Porsche, if, if Dalmas hadn't have flipped, I think it would have been a, a different story. But um, they were in a class of their own. But, you know, it was really nice to win it uh, first time and win it in a Ferrari and have... Um, uh, two teammates like Eric Vanderpool and uh, Emmanuel Collard. It was um, it was a special weekend, and people don't forget those kind of results. You know, the inaugural races and championships and stuff. People don't forget. In- incredibly, Emmanuel Collard is still in a driving seat this weekend. <laughs> I know. I saw him. He's gone completely grey. We were actually talking about one how old he is now. But. Um, I have no idea why he'd still want to drive a race car. He must have been about 12 in 98. Yeah, no, he, I think it was 11. Um, if you, I don't know if you remember this, but it, he, he hadn't driven for us before, and so we put him in the car in the first practice, and off he went, and the next thing there was a red flag, and he'd parked it in the, in the gravel pit over in turn six. And I remember my, my number one mechanic, PK, was really fussy about getting the car all dirtied up. So it came back, they pulled it back in the car, it was full of red clay. They spent, I don't know how long cleaning the car out, getting it back to ready, ready for the next session. He jumped back in the car, he left, he wasn't gone five seconds, there was another red flag. And I'm like, well, I can't be us. Yeah, it was him. He came, he came out of pit lane, spun it off and went backwards into the wall. So we went into the, we went into Petit Lamar thinking, yeah. we're not going to finish this one. And he drove awesome. He was awesome. Yeah. I mean, he made the difference. I mean, you mentioned Don Panos there. I mean, at the time, uh, it was kind of, a, it was a roller coaster, swings and roundabouts, call, you know, any kind of saying you want with American sports car racing. And he kind of, American sports car racing at the time was, was kind of, wasn't on the world map. It was, it was broken, wasn't it? And yet, what came from that one race with the series? And then here we are, effectively, it's still the same series and everything's joined up and stuff. Yeah, Don, Don um, um, him and I got on really, really well. He had some strange ideas about going racing. I mean, putting an engine in the front of the car and different things like that and then building the three-wheeler. 
But you know, the one thing about him was he um, he was always adamant that sports car racing should be for the fans. And and if you look today, and when I think of the amount of people that are supporting this race now that he started effectively, and you look at the teams that are here, the manufacturers that are here, I mean, Don Don started this, and it was um, it's his legacy. When it's uh, always inevitably at the last round, but perhaps tonight is the time I can talk to you about 2024 and going forward. Two cars, your, your, your partnership with Andretti. I mean, it's still it's still got momentum, hasn't it? Fabulous momentum, if, if not more. Yeah, I know. I was I was thinking of retiring at the end of last year. Get out of town. I know. I, I seriously was thinking. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm tired. My kids are sort of sorted out. They're racing. And then um, we got did this deal with Andretti, and now it just is sort of mushroom, you know. And and um, and with our partnership with HPD and Acura to get a two-car team for next year, now uh, Louis Delatraz is our long-distance driver. Is going to be in that car with my other son Jordan, who's coming from Corvette. So um, you know, I'll have both my boys um, under one roof. But, um, yeah, I can't, I can't believe I'm still doing this. So this is Petit Le Mans. How about Le Grand Le Mans? And how about Le Grand Le Mans and Wynn Taylor? Well, you know, from me and everybody on this team, it's always been our dream to win that race overall. Both Jordan and I have won a had a class win there. I was in that Ferrari that same year. Um, and he was in the Corvette. So, um, and, you know, HPD, you know, those guys want to eventually get there. I think the way they're going about it is the right way. You know, I, I think BOP, people are going to start looking, they, they're looking at the BOP side now. Although it, it, it is a lot better than I thought it was going to be. But clearly something needs to be done to take the next step to get that together. But that's clearly what we're gearing up to try and do. And, and would that do. would that be next year win or is that a bit early? No, definitely not next year. No, I mean we got to build a second, you know, the team around two cars and stuff, and to throw Lamar into the mix, it's just not the. It wouldn't be the right thing to do. Yeah. It's the way you guys go about things, though, isn't it? It's it's an evolution rather than revolution. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, as I say, Rome wasn't built in a day, and um, I've been around the business so long that. Um, you know, so many people, you know, you'll talk to and you'll say, well, we want to go to Le Mans next year. And they'll say, oh, yeah, let's go. But, but you've really got to think the thing through and you've got to put all the pieces in place and you've got to have all the right partners. And we've got all those pieces now and we've got all the right partners. But we need to, time to build this two-car team before we go and take on the world. Thank you, Wayne. I look forward to seeing you at Le Mans. I hope I'm still there. Um, Heindorf and I were there in 98, our first, you know, very first job in America. Yeah. And we're still doing it. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of years left to lose yet, mate. Yeah, absolutely. I guess we'll be doing it until, I put it, until we have one leg in the grave. Exactly. Until I can't climb up these steps. <laughs> now I'm going to fall down them. Thanks, Win, as ever. You only just got up them this time, Bradley. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, brilliant. brilliant stuff from Wayne Taylor there. Memories of 1998 and PLM1. And, yeah, I, re I remember that. Um, not exactly as if it was yesterday, but it doesn't take much for the memories to come flooding back. Um, and, 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 look, aside from that, we, we can't always 
live life looking in the rearview mirror, but sometimes you get a nice sunset to look at, don't you, when you're driving away. But interesting stuff, what he's talking about, looking through the windscreen there, if I'm slightly stretched the metaphor, probably slightly too far. But talking about, look, we want to go to Le Mans, we want to go to Le Mans with HPD, we've heard HPD saying the same thing, but probably not next year. So that's, we're looking at some maybe around 25. Acura maybe rebranded as Honda, of course, if they go, go to France. Uh, that's something that Wayne has made no, no bones about down through the years. And, and hearing him talk like that, the, the passion's still there, Jeremy, yeah. isn't it? For yeah. all the jokes about retirement. Yeah, exactly right. And yeah, he's pretty definitive there, not next year. Yeah. Yeah, they're, just, they're not going to be ready for that. Uh, you know, as he said, build up into a two-car team. Then, uh, quite likely, I would say for 25, we'll see the Acuras there with uh, WTR and Andretti. But uh, that was really interesting to, to see. Hey, just got uh, now a new fastest lap time. It's uh, Maddie Campbell again in car number seven. He's been the guy over the last few races. He's been absolutely outstanding for that uh, Porsche Penske Motorsport team. 111.372 then the new fastest time. Only uh, a, a few hundredths of a second quicker, six hundredths of a second quicker to, to be precise than the Acura of car number 60. That time said earlier by Colin Brown, but it's Manny Campbell and Porsche at the top of the charts at the moment. And in LMP3, Gabby Chavez has just put yes, a has. new fast lap in for. We were talking to uh, to Jared Antretti a little bit earlier at 116.992 against a 17.05 that Garrett Grist, who is just displaced. Well, Garrett has just improved as well at this point 023, 23 thousandths of a second in the darkness, over 2.54 miles between the, the top two LMP3 cars. Matt Bell was saying that was going to be uh, a proper, proper race. And, yeah, uh, it's, it's shaping up to do that uh, as Gabby Chavez, having done that time, eyes wide open, I'm sure, heads back into the pit lane. And, by the way, how pumped did Nico Van Orn sound when he was talking to Nick David? He sounded like his eyes were out on stalks. Great yeah. stuff Brilliant, from the it? Italian Argentinian. By the way, Garrett Grist has just gone quicker as well in LP3. Yeah. Uh, second quickest on this lap, be just 0.023. You, you, you mentioned that, didn't you? Sorry yeah, that's that. all right. So pretty much at the same time. But no, I think, yeah, okay, that's. Chavez has gone faster again then. No, he hasn't. Scratch that. No, he's come in the pit. Ah, oh, that's what it is. A big yeah, run. that's what lit that up. Yeah, yeah big run. Uh, Emmanuel Collard, by the way, who was uh, with Wayne Taylor in 1998, driving for AF Corsa in LMP2. Um, and that car's done a 14.3. Well, that'll have been, that'll have been as quick. Um, in fact, that'll have been quicker than that Ferrari 333 was doing in 1998. Just put that in perspective for a moment. That, the fastest lap for Emmanuel Collard's car, a 14, 1 minute 14.3 for seventh in LMP2. The fastest lap of that 1998 race was, was McNish in the, in the Porsche before the Dalmas flip. And um, that was a, what did we say that was? A, a, a 15.5, didn't we, when I looked that up earlier on? So all, all of the LMP2s, including Emmanuel Collard, still driving. A quicker than the fastest lap it was a rich, the original lap record in that race. All right, I, yeah, I know it was a quarter of a century ago, but even so, 
put that in uh, perspective. At the top of the timing, uh, a fastest lap for Tom Blomqvist with that 111.299 that Jeremy's just mentioned. That takes him uh, 0.073 ahead of Matt Campbell for Porsche Penske Motorsport. That was on the last time around. Then another two and a half tenths back for people to Rani. Nick Tandy in fourth. He's uh, just under half a second away from the fastest time in the number six Porsche. In the pits for Cadillac 0-1. Renge van der Zander brought it in. They're in fifth and sixth. Philippe Albuquerque for Wayne Taylor's number 10. In fact, both of those cars just gone back out again. Renge has uh, retaken the track in the 0-1 and the 1-0 has just gone out as well. In LMP2, Scott Huffaker for TDS Racing in the number 11 car. Have we seen the 35? Yes, we have. Guido van der Garde, yeah. that car damaged earlier on. That car has turned yeah. uh, 53 laps this yeah. evening. Yeah, he was out right away, I think, yeah, John. It was a remarkable job by that TDS team. By the way, just talking about Emmanuel Collard again, in addition to that win overall, he also won LMP2 here at Petit Le Mans in 2005. Uh, and in 2008, he won... Uh, 2010, excuse me, he won uh, GT2 with Corvette as well. So a lot of success here in the past as Emmanuel Collard. Although this is his first race here since, uh, I think, 2013 <coughs> was his last uh, run here. Yeah, he's, uh, he's done this race 12 times, but most recently, he t- 10 years ago in 2013 for Emmanuel Collard. 52 years of age, by the way, is way. But uh, and still loving it. Clearly. We'll have uh, we'll have another memory of 1998 with Joe Bradley, who's got Bill Oberlin. But first, let's go to uh, Nick down in the pit lane with Mike Skeen. Out of the uh, 32, the Mercedes, the Kohlhoff car. Uh, Mike, um, you're avidly looking at the times, listening on the radio. What are your teammates saying about the car in its nighttime conditions? Yeah, it's been pretty good. We're just working on long run pace at the moment. Uh, obviously, this is the most important part of the day on Saturday. So. Want to make sure we've got what we need there. Uh, Mix is going in, you know, for uh, finish out the rest of the session and um, might make a couple of little tweaks, but we're feeling pretty good. So, is it a case where you, you basically you'll set up the car for nighttime and hope that, you know, the yellow flags keep you in contention for the first eight hours? Yeah, more or less. I mean, you know, it won't be dramatically different, but obviously the air is a bit different. Uh, track temperature is going to be a lot different. So, um, yeah, we, you know, we definitely want to make sure we're good at the end. You've got to be in it during the race, during the day. and especially to score endurance points throughout the day. Um, but definitely the, the big trophy at the end is what we want. What's your um, spotter strategy? We've had uh, people, you know, just someone looking at the screen, someone dedicated for What's the spotter strategy for 32, car? No, we actually have spotters out on the track, uh, one at turn five and one at turn one. Uh, and then we might one of us might pop up at the during the night for turn 10, just make sure we have everything covered. But... Uh, definitely helps, uh, you know, especially if you don't have a radar camera from the back. Some of these cars do, but um, it helps for sure d- kind of deciphering what those blinding lights behind you are. Thank you, Mike, for the 32 car. And now for another PLM1 1998 memory. It's Bill Orbelin with Joe now. Bill, you were here like I was for the inaugural Petit Le Mans back in 98 over the years. I would have, you know, I can say your memories have had highs and lows quite literally. Oh, highs and lows. That's putting it mildly. There was one time, I think I was 40 feet in the air doing a backflip in the BMW V12 LMR, um, which was a low, right? That was that was a bad day, but I walked away, and then I won this thing, I think, three or four more times after that. Those were the highs. 
when you team up with these these teams, whether it's, whether it be RLL or or uh, Turner, and you got all these amazing teammates, and you fight for ten hours, and uh, and you wind up on top at the end, it's a high that it, that gives you like this adrenaline rush, and it lasts all the way through to Daytona. So it's such a great race to finish the year on. What what was the feeling at the time, Bill, when Doctor Penos came along? Here he was emulating that big race in France with a petite Le Mans. What was the buzz in the paddock? Um, this guy's, I think at the beginning, nobody took him serious, right? Um, and the thing, I drove for Don Panos after a while in the M- LMP1 cars and in the Esperantis. This guy had visions, and he drove these visions home. So uh, you had to take him seriously after you understood who this guy was. This race now stands to be one of the best races on the calendar. I mean, for me, it's it's even better than Daytona. You want to win that watch, but the fight here is epic. And uh, when you win this race, it's usually a battle that lasts 10 hours and is crazy. And then Don Panos not only invents this race, he invents an LMP1 Panos, puts the engine in the wrong side, and uh, wins with that thing all over the place. Um, he's a great guy, and we miss him, and I'm, I am truly, truly grateful. He invented this and kept this racing uh, as great as it is. Sparky, can you remember Sparky? I mean, how ahead of the time was that? Was a hybrid? I think th- so. That was '99. That was uh, in Le Mans. Remember, I think did it run in? Le Mans? It was run here. So, again, he had some crazy visions, and. He was an innovator. Look at the Delta Wing. I mean, who would have thought this guy? He came up with these ideas, implemented them, and saw that it wasn't like a pipe dream. He would he would invent it in his mind, make it happen, and then make it win and make it do great things. I mean, the Delta Wing didn't have the success of the LMP1, but it innovated all new stuff that people never thought could exist. A three-wheel car, it didn't even have a wing on the back, and it was so fast in a straight line with very little power, so it was very efficient. And right up to date, Bill, you guys are fast. I think your time was as fast as in GTD. Yeah. What's neat is it your birthday today? Oh, yeah. It's my birthday. Weird. So, so you, you look here in the paddock, and I look around, and are they getting younger and younger? It's crazy <laughs> to me. These kids are like in their 20s, and they're all my teammates are in their 20s, right? And these guys are all amazing, like the Robbie Foley's and all these guys, are all the factory guys. I'm 55 today, right? So, um I put it P1 in our class, P2 overall right there with the front guy, and we had a little bit more left. We just didn't want to show it all out there. Not not that we didn't want to show it. There's no reason to take a risk in this night practice of that magnitude. We'll do it for qualifying and see what we can get. Again, we have won this race uh, starting dead last because when Robbie qualified the one time, the brakes exploded, uh, and we started dead last, we won the race. So... We can do it from anywhere, but to get the pole here would be a, a great a great thing. It absolutely would. Bill, I just want to leave you with a personal memory of mine. When you did flip that BMW and you came walking back into the pit lane, I was one of the first people that, that sort of came in front of you and confronted you. And I was absolutely amazed that you were even willing to talk to me. Your eyes were out on stalks. You'd clearly been through, and you gave me an explanation of exactly what had happened. And here we are, 25 years later, 26 years later, You've, you've done the same thing. You've got that clarity of that. But that was amazing. Coming from Europe, drivers wouldn't necessarily talk to you, you know, but you, in that moment, it's still something that I can, I will never, ever forget. Well, I, you know, when I got out of the car, because it was such a crazy, one of those backflips. Remember in the era when Mercedes was backflipping, Porsche backflipped, and then we did it. The aerodynamics were a little different then. I hit my arm really bad, and you, 
you, you're, you're so, it's like a deer who gets hit by a car. You wonder, is my arm still attached or is it gone? And I looked, I'm like, oh, it's still working. I'm fine. I came, I spoke to you. But this was when I was younger. It was like 2000, right? So I was a much younger guy. I come out of motocross racing. And we all watch the motocross racer when he goes off a jump. If he's too nose high, you touch the rear brake, it comes down. If you're too nose low, you touch the throttle, you bring it up. And I always thought to myself, um, if this thing ever started to go up, this is going to be very simple. I mean, how hard can this be? I'm going to dab the brake, and I'm going to bring the nose right back down, right? So I thought, uh, this is my young mind thinking. And Schnitzer, who was running the car at the time, said, you can only get this close to a car in front of you. Once they take the aerodynamics off your nose, that giant rear wing will push the back of the car down, and it was a flat, a big, flat floor. The cars will fly. Anyways, I was behind the Olive Garden car, putting him a lap down. I got a little bit too close, and I felt my head buffeting. And I'm like, oh, boy, this is, this is closer than the German limit that they gave me, right? As a joke, but in reality. And then all of a sudden, the car takes off off the hump, and off it goes. And, a, and then the, it was before the Hans devices. I, as the G-forces got high in the circle, uh, my head went into my lap. So I didn't know if I was going to make it all the way around or not. And then I came down, and I made it on the wheels, right? And lights were lit up on the dash, and it's making this crazy noise. And I'm, I'm now in the dirt going 190 miles an hour. And not only did I not hit the brake, I was still completely flat on the gas, and I never lifted. So in a time of crisis, it goes to show you that uh, it's more like panic and survival than like this concerted great effort to make it all happen. But we're all here, and we're having a great time all these years later. I, I love that, Bill. The, the motocross rider is, these guys are doing it wrong. When I flip, I'm going to show them how to do it. That's brilliant. Yeah. Well, I think, was it Weber and Lamont? He showed us all how to do it better. But uh, we've all, we all walked away, and that's part of this racing. It's what makes it so exciting. We don't, there's the unknown, right? And you can get hurt. We've all been hurt here. And uh, it's how do you respond when you come back? Can you still put that pedal down? You need every tenth you can get. I'm 55. I live for this stuff. I, I would die for this stuff, essentially. It's unhealthy, but that's what's kept me around so long. Got another 25 years in you, man. I'm, I'm at the halfway point in my career, so. Yeah, exactly. Happy birthday, Bill. Great to talk to you, as ever. I, I'm going to leave you with a thought. Joe, you can tell Bill this off mic. Um, he'll go down to be a silver next year because of his age. He'll get an automatic downgrade. Um, so he and Robbie Foley, Shane and I were talking about this earlier, we'll be able to drive together. Just had a Porsche off. Uh, it's the number seven for Matt Campbell, second place guy, the timing at the moment. Just had a little off down at uh, turn 10, 10 8 area, and uh, didn't see what precipitated that, but it's moving again, albeit not at full seat. Uh, he locks up the back. <laughs> And goes, well, it's a wild ride. Oh, and he almost hit the tyre that is still there, the wheel and tyre, actually, that came from the, which car was that? Was the 85 car? Yes, it was, that lost the wheel. 59. 59. It was the 59 WeatherTech Porsche. So it was, so, I mean, it was a Porsche that it would have, uh, a Porsche tyre and wheel that he would have hit. I might have brought that home for the match. That would have been rather... Rather play. Listen, that was listening. a real tank sapper, wasn't it? it? That was, down. He Thanks. did well to hold on to that because that's heavy braking yeah. down there. Listening to Bill Orbelin there, by the yeah. way, I was transported back to the year 2000 because the, his description of what happened has never changed down through the years. He'd be an excellent witness uh, in a courtroom, and that's pretty much exactly what he told Joe as he walked in to the back of the pits after being um, assessed. 
Um, in fact, I don't even think they were in those days. I think he got back to the pits on the, you know, on the back, got dropped off on a cart or something, and walked back in. And, and, and Bradley just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Extraordinary stuff. So Bill Oberlin, Yannick Dalmas, uh, Mark Webber, Peter Dumbreck, Win Percy, uh, all the Flipper Club, um, and they are, they all walked away. Many others, Brian Redmond. Yeah, Brian, yes. Good point. This one's. Yeah. Let's go to Nick Damon as the time is running down. It's flown through with all of these excellent stories from down in the pit lane. There's six and a half minutes to go. Nick, where do we find you now? Uh, at Tower Motorsport, the number oh. eight P2 car. It's, it's Kiffin Simpson. Kiffin, um, you're sitting watching as your um, sort of uh, more, well, well, better known teammate, Scott McLaughlin, is getting all the laps in. Is this because he's such a rookie? Uh, well, I got some laps in at the beginning and... Uh, we were just trying to get some laps in to see how the car was, but uh, we, he needs the laps at night. He's never been here before, so he's just learning the track, and at night it's very difficult here. So uh, he's just getting accustomed to it and uh, trying to learn all he can. And you'll be racing against him next year in the IndyCar. Yeah, yeah, that'll be, uh, that'll be kind of funny. Um, hopefully we'll have some good battles next year, and uh, I look forward to it. So tell us, how has it come about? You're going to be a, a single-seater IndyCar driver next year. And how excited are you for 2024? Yeah, I'm really excited. I mean, uh, it's an incredible opportunity. And the fact that I get to do it with one of the best teams there is Trip Ganassi Racing makes it all that much better. So uh, I just can't wait for next year to start. Going back to, uh, to this event, though, I mean, working with Scotty, working with the team, I mean, how do you, where do you feel the car is amongst the competition? Um, I think we're all right. It seems like uh, the 11 car is quite quick, so we're going to try to catch up to them. Um, I think some, quite a few people have run two sets of tires in this session, so it's a little bit skewed against us because we only run one until just now as he's gone out. Um, so I think we're looking all right, but uh, need some work for sure. One last year in the uh, in the NSX for Gradient, and obviously we've been in Indy NXT this year, and you've driven Indy cars. Which car is the best practice for an LMP2 car around here? Oh, uh, I really don't think there's anything like an LMP2 car around here. It's uh, just so unique, an LMP2 car, and this track as well. So uh, it's great to drive something really quick, uh, lots of downforce, lots of power on this track. Um, last year... Driving the NSX was a lot of fun, and we were able to win. So, going to do everything in my power to make that happen again this year. Great stuff, thank you. For your teammates, just gone fourth as well. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Raced uh, single seaters in Indy next this year uh, for Gifford Simpson, and uh, big step up for him next year with a big team and Chip Ganassi. Well should have the right equipment um, how how he'll adapt to that we'll have to see um, seems like the IndyCar season's been over over by a, about a year now doesn't it it does rather doesn't it yeah it's been it two it's been a month then? no what? a month a month yeah okay. September I think improvement there for Nico Veron in the number 17 AWA Duquesne up to third position in uh, LMP3 also an improvement for Scotty McLaughlin. We just talked about that. He's up to P4 in LMP2. Uh, and just a few laps to go, Philip Albuquerque improved his time. Third fastest in the Acura for uh, Wayne Taylor's team. Kind of a 10. He turned 
0.45. That's point uh, a tenth and a half bef- behind uh, the fastest car in this session, which is the number 60 Acura. It was Tom Blomquist who set that time quite a while ago now. The f- most laps completed in this session. 65, I think, by the BMW of car number 25. That's done 65 laps during this session compared to the uh, 27 of the number 59 Porsche that's kind of had the problem a while ago when the left front wheel parted company. In uh, Nico Veron has actually just gone fastest in LMP3, so continuing the good work, the uh, number 17 car, a 1 minute 16.846, so he goes about a tenth of a second quicker than the Gabby Chavez who had been fastest for Andretti Autosport so very very tight again there in LMP3 so two minutes to go Jeremy and I would say a fairly productive session we heard Zachary Robichon uh, earlier on was it Zachary yes it was saying that they were going to do some long runs and I, I wasn't sure how many cars would still be running with two minutes to go. Answer is an awful lot. Yeah, yeah. all of the GGP cars except for one, uh, that being the number 59 car that did have the problem, hasn't been out since then. But all of the other cars, the well, number 31 car comes into the pits now. But, you know, this is the critical time in the race. This is, what, what time is it now? It's uh, nine, was it nine o'clock? Just coming up to nine, so they'd be hum- about 40 minutes of the race to go yeah, okay. this and, time you know, on Saturday. So, so you know, that's why all the GTP cars are out there, all the LMP2 cars are out there. Most of the LMP3 cars are, are just done, but a, a couple of them have just finished their runs. Uh, so, yeah, there are still a lot of cars out there on the racetrack and turning laps. Uh, say 66, the most 67 now for Colin Filippi in that number 25 car. 66 laps for number 35 LMP2. That's the car that was crashed this morning. Brilliant job by that TDS team to get the number 35 car back up and running so quickly. And actually, whilst we're talking about that, let's go to Nick Damon, because the other car that had damage was the Chetlar 296 Ferrari, the blue uh, blue and tricolore-coloured car. Uh, we've not seen that car back out, Nick. Uh, last time you told us that the engine and gearbox was in the subframe but the subframe wasn't anywhere near the rest of the car well interesting the engine and the gearbox are now on separate little trolley jacks and that subframe's disappeared somewhere uh so my guess is they've decided they're going to repair what they've got or perhaps they couldn't get a new one in time so it's uh it's, it looks like well you know those really expensive kind of exploded diagram le- lego sets you can get it's just like you've got the kind of the, the chassis and you've got the, the they've got the engine about four foot behind that and about four foot behind that you've got the gearbox and then to slightly to the left you've got the uh, those very uh, lovely single piece prototype rear decks as well so all it's missing is the big thing to connect the, those three things together to the car apart from that it's fine but my guess is that they are waiting on or, or repairing the uh, that that big subframe mounting position and it will get bolted on relatively quickly I'm not going to say it's a work of ten minutes but they have got until mid-afternoon and so there's no sign they've given up and there's no sign they won't be out tomorrow yeah and their drivers in that Chetilar car we were talking about the check flags out by the way uh, their drivers in that car uh, with uh, other than Robert Roberto Lacorte who needed some night laps Giorgio Cerna Giotto uh, with a waiver and Antonio Fuoco as a 
Platinum, I think, will be all right as well. Uh, so, I mean, that said, there's nothing to say that Tonio Fuoco couldn't drive the last two hours, uh, which is official darkness. 7.30, two hours and ten minutes. 7.30 through to 9.40 at the end of the race. It's so long that, as long as they don't go... The difficulty there is the four hours in any six. So they've got to rotate people before that so that he doesn't go too far over. Uh, pretty decent tonight, Jeremy, and some good times in all of the classes and people still trying right in. I mean, you made that point about this is the end of the race here. It's the last 40 minutes of the race. For some people, this will be last pit stop time coming in round about now if we've been going green. So this has been important learning and important data for all of the teams up and down the put lane. And I think pretty much everybody has to be satisfied with what they've learned this evening. All the teams, I think they've done as many laps as they wanted to, with the, with the exception of that number uh, 59 car. And right at the end, Philippe Albuquerque has gone quickest. Just to prove what we were saying, that people were still trying... So what was that? A one eleven two nine six right at the end. Three one thousandths of a second quicker than Blomqvist. The two Acuras are quickest in this evening session. Ten from sixty, uh, and then in third position, uh, a, f- a fully by the way, uh, another seventy six thousandths back is a Porsche. The Porsche of Matt Campbell had a little drop right at the end with a horrible rear brake lock as it looked uh, to us. Could be down the hill to turn 10. Uh, then people to Rani. He's another three-tenths away, or around about three-tenths away. Uh, however, we have got nine out of the ten prototypes within a second. Yeah. GTPs. And, and even the tenth car is only 1.2 yes. back. So, uh, yeah, it's very, very tight there in GTP. No question about it. A great lap there by in number 11 car by Michael Jensen early on in this session. He's only two-tenths uh, behind in the fastest of the LMP2 cars. And uh, all of the uh, LMP2s, they're covered by uh, just over a second as well. So uh, <laughs> it's going to be tight in all of the classes, no question. Brilliant pictures that we've seen. If that's the portent of the race coverage at the weekend, do you won't want to miss any of this. It's 2 o'clock in the morning back in the UK. I know some of you will be sitting up listening to this. Set up, I mean, don't think you're going to be doing anything other than watching this on Saturday night on the... Uh, live, free, uninterrupted uh, world feed to uh, Canada and the rest of the world. For you in the US, of course, uh, NBC Sports team in the booth next door to us, led by Lee Diffie, will be taking you through it. What a day! What a Thursday we've had. Uh, If you're listening on 98.1 Radio uh, Road Atlanta FM, then, well, thanks for being with us. Thanks to Shea, to Jeremy to Joe, to Nick, to Tim Gray, who's done all the heavy lifting in London, the responsible adult as ever, uh, was Eve Hewitt. Uh, She is omnipotent, obviously. And uh, to all the teams as well for helping out. Our production crew have been superb today. BSI uh, and on our radio mics uh, and the rest of the IMSA crew here as well. I'm John Hindoff. Thank you very much. Uh, We start pretty early again tomorrow, so get some beauty sleep. We'll fire things up. Uh, early in the morning, so keep it locked in to 98.1 if you're around here, and as soon as things start getting interesting, you'll have Greg Kramer to wake you up, who's going to put you to bed tonight as well. From us here on IMSA Radio, good night, God bless. 
This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, check imsaradio.com and subscribe to IMSA Radio wherever you get your podcasts.